Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the long-awaited, long-anticipated rebirth of Man Bites Pod. We've been gone for a little bit. We've had things to take care of. We've had all types of wild shit going on with us. Um, the the uh, the Reverend is doing well. The, the fucking commander is doing all right. And the Baron is always on top of things. But... Life fucking happens, and we got shit to deal with. So here we are, back once again. We're bringing my latest fucking um, uh, abortion to the fucking table. Something that I'm sure, I'm actually sure that not only this one, but the next one was was detrimental to the Baron's health because he is a connoisseur of film and art, (laughs) and I appreciate that. I love what this man brings to the table. But the Baron... (laughs) <laughs> the Baron has to deal with the American clods that he does this podcast with. And, and I bring to you, gentlemen, 1986's masterpiece done by the the absolute one of the most one of the most underrated, honestly, I do think he's underrated, uh directors in horror, Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, part two. That's right, you motherfuckers. I said part two. Because Texas Chainsaw Massacre is undeniable. It's like saying, oh, we're going to do The Exorcist. We're not going to do the fucking Exorcist on this show. Well, maybe we will down the way. But what I'm saying is this is brilliant in its own right. And it's oft forgotten. It's ridiculous, but it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, This was... Oh, I, I honestly all of a sudden can't remember the re- release of the first one. Was it 78 or 76? Uh, 71 or 74. No, 74, isn't it? Oh, no. 73 it was. Hold on. 73. Let me just double check here on the goops. Going as fast as I can. Of course, they go to all the new ones first up. That, isn't that about a bitch? Like that, that yeah. just disappoints me. God damn, dude. We're, we're, All no, no, I see just is the news. Advertise it. It's just advertise it. 1974. It was 74. Okay. 74, so my apologies. Yeah. So a full 12 years later, we have the sequel. Yes. Um, this sequel was done by canon films we know about the gallon brothers uh they were fucking animals they made some amazing movies some of um some of the reverend and the commander's favorite movies ever are canon films but they were fucking animals these two they 
hurt a lot of people. They did a lot of really out-of-pocket shit to get films made. But you know what? They got those fucking movies made. And this is one of them. Now, this was done, uh, as I said, 1986. Toby Hooper didn't think that the original film, uh, that the dark humor came out enough. It was more frightening than it was humorous. And this one, he made sure everyone saw how fucking silly this shit's supposed to be. Oh, not silly is actually a bit strong. He, he, it was supposed to be darkly humorous. And he made sure that was there. So fans of the original, mostly dickhead hipsters on the internet, are bent out of shape about this one. Um, but it's one of my very favorites. It's honestly... Uh, Ian is probably going to be very upset with me about this, but this is my favorite. Um, this is my favorite sequel in any horror franchise ever. Is uh, what's Ian's favorite? That's, that's a hard one to argue, man. If, I will say that this I like this film better than the original. I love the original, and the original is a beautiful fucking film. But I like this one, man. He makes a fry house in this one, dude. Like, oh. there's barbecue all over the fucking place in this you, one. This is Americana at its finest. The first one is dark. And yeah, that's pretty Americana. But the reason that the fucking second one works so well is because Americana is campy as fuck. And it is just insanely absurd. And that is what makes Texas Chainsaw Massacre arguably just as good, if not better, than the original one. So to answer your question, Baron, uh, my best friend, my brother, Ian, if if I, I could be wrong, I, I, but I would I would stake my life, not even a paycheck, my actual life that his favorite sequel would be the second Hellraiser. Um, oh, Ian, that's that's good. I'm not gonna, I, I, I would have to think about I'd have to think about what mine is, but. Sure, he, he, he's put on a good, uh, you know, for the case there. That's a good suggestion, definitely. So, and that's something I'm going to probably bring up at some point, you know. But um, anyhow, um, I guess I'll do a quick synopsis here. So, in this film, you have, and we'll go over. I, you know how I do. I like to do the synopsis a little quicker than than my compatriots yeah. here. Um, you have two yuppie dickheads driving down the road which is a stark difference from the original film the original one is a bunch of hippies driving in a ford o'connell line van which by the way i noticed this i only noticed it when i rewatched it i i put it back on a second time to double check a name for jobber royale um which i did not get confirmation on and had to look it up anyway it was a whole deal but I noticed, you know, they do that gimmick in the beginning where the narrator's talking about back in 1973, there was the fucking... They say that these kids were driving in a Volkswagen van, and they weren't. It was a Ford O'Connell line. I don't know why yeah. they would do that, especially because Toby Hooper did the shit. Like, maybe he thought it was funny because they were like, they're supposed to be hippies. It should have been a Volkswagen. Fuck it. We're going to say it's a Volkswagen. But instead of hippies being the victims, we now have yuppies being the victims, which is actually funnier to me. 
I don't know why. But um, what you have is these two dickheads. If I'm not mistaken, it was um, Rick and Buzz were their names. Driving on the road, they're shooting at fucking signs. They're being fucking animals. And they decide to play chicken with the truck on the road. The truck fucking pulls off, spins around, and chases them down. A while later, they drive over what is quite possibly the longest bridge, not only in Texas, but on the face of the earth, where they have a showdown with Leatherface and some other folks. That's now, a long we'll bridge. Get, I've been there. <laughs> we'll get into we'll get into that scene a little deeper later. Well, Leatherface cuts this motherfucker's head, cleaning half with the chainsaw through the car. The whole time they're driving, they're harassing a radio DJ named Stretch, who works for K Okla. All right. Now, because they're assholes, they're fucking frat boy, yuppie dickheads. And they get fucking murked. The next day we see we see the fucking accident scene and uh, our pal who I, honestly, I can't remember. I forgot the fucking guy's name because it's always just Dennis Hopper to me. Um, Lefty is his name. I don't remember his last name, but his, his name is Lieutenant uh, B-O-U-D-E Bowed Lefty Enright. On, yeah. Enright. Enright. Yeah, that's right. Lefty Enright. Yeah. So that's our man, Dennis Hopper, who weeks after this movie was completed, did Blue Velvet, which... Let's, huh. I mean, we'll get into that another time, but huh. yes, uh, we will. Yes, we will. Yeah, yeah. Side note, um, Dennis Hopper said that this was the worst role he's ever done <laughs> in his entire career up until he did King Koopa in Super Mario Brothers, and then he said that was the worst. <laughs> matter of fact, matter of fact. His son saw Super Mario Brothers and said, Dad, why did you do this movie? And he was trying to explain to him, like, yo, man, like, I got to make money. I He's like, man, I, I got to buy you shoes. That's why I got I to gotta do movies so I can buy you shoes. And he goes, Dad, I don't need shoes that bad. I'm a kid, So... Um, rest in peace, Dennis Hopper. That is a fucking that was an American treasure that guy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm a mock. So uh moving on, we have Lefty and we have the detective walks up on him. The local detective walks up and goes, Hey man, I know you're still chasing after the killer of your fucking your brother's kids. So now you find out that Lefty's kids were killed in the original one. Those kids in the fucking van in the wheelchair and whatnot, those were lefties, uh, nieces and nephews, and he's been on a hunt for 13 years for these motherfuckers. Um, he then, you know, goes on about his day. The Now, the, the murder, remember, the, the two dickheads in the car were trolling the radio station on a car phone because they're fucking rich assholes. And they let's not discount the fact that they had a car phone in 1986 that's not for everybody so these motherfuckers were on the phone with the radio station who record all of their calls while this murder happens 
And this woman, Stretch, sits there and listens to it. So she decides to hang on to the tape and bring it to this cop because he put it out in the newspaper that he was looking for anybody associated with this wreck. Because everyone said, it's just an accident. He said, no, man, it's the fucking Sawyer family. I fucking know it's the Sawyer family. Yeah. So she goes, shows up, brings the fucking thing. He doesn't want to hear it. Turns out he was fucking using her as bait, makes her play it on the fucking, on the show. And Chop Top shows up with his brother Leatherface with one of the best jump scares I've ever seen in my life in the fucking radio station. I'm not going to explain it. You're going to have to watch this fucking movie. Leatherface comes out, accidentally cuts fucking Chop Top's Sonny Bono wig in half, fucks up his fucking metal plate he's got in his head from Nam, and then you hear a sample that a lot of people have heard a million times and don't realize where it's from. The song My Name is Mud by Primus has a short break in the music, and you hear Dog Will Hunt. That is Chop Top from Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, motherfuckers. So take some goddamn notes, Primus fans. Anyhow. And, uh, Captain, we must um, illuminate who uh, plays Chop Top, another American American treasure, certainly in the horror world, in my opinion. A hundred percent. That is a man named Bill Mosley. Now, Terry, uh, the the Reverend and I are divided on certain things about this Bill Mosley, and that's because of the reverend's deep, deep detestation of Rob Zombie and all of his works. Yes. Uh, Interesting. I didn't know that. I will fight you, Rob Zombie. But wait a minute. Reverend, you cannot... I know you've seen... Oh, I love Bill Mosley. I have no problem with Bill Mosley. I have no problem with anyone in Rob Zombie's films. I just will fight Rob Zombie. All right. So you can't deny that Otis was an amazing character and all of his dialogue and all of his fucking works were amazing in those movies. I will not reference those movies because they were made by a horrible, horrible man. This fucking guy. But Fine. Bill Murray, uh, Bill Mosley, no. Bill Mosley is a fucking national treasure for sure. I'm d- Dog <laughs> will hunt. Yeah, dude, I, he's I great, man. I love that you said Bill Murray, too, who is a national treasure mm. and needs to be protected at all costs. Absolutely. I mean, those are the two bills that should be on our dollar bills, motherfucker, here in America. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather not like have that. money that looks like baseball cards for slave traders. Anyway, so moving on from the Reverend's hateful fucking rant there, we then move on to we meet LG with one of my favorite lines ever i still say this to produce our unseen producer lb for this show um we meet them in a cafe and he is building a house out of texas sized steak fries and he says built your little fry house it's one of my favorite lines in any movie ever now lg and fucking damn oh no, no no wait we already we haven't gotten there yet have we that was before. That was before. Sorry. Anyway, they're in a the yeah. fucking radio station. Chop Top and Leatherface are carving everything up. Leatherface gets fresh with the chainsaw with Stretch. She kind of talks her way out of it using her wily female charms and her pheromones. And LG gets carved up, thrown in the back of the truck. They take him 
and they leave stretch behind. Um, moving on from that, um, fucking stretch chases after these motherfuckers because she's gangster. And but honestly, not a good gangster. She's just got the fucking balls. She fucking drives on, follows them out to their spot in Dallas, and then winds up. It, let's cut through some bullshit. She winds up falling down a hole on their property. Lefty shows up to save her. Comically puts a fucking arm from a deceased victim out, which obviously that shit was going to fall apart. Come on, man. Let's keep it in the real world a little bit here. She falls down the hole. Lefty gets a bunch of chainsaws, goes down after her. Fuck yeah, he gets a bunch of chainsaws, man. He fucks up shit. He goes and buys those chainsaws. He's got like fucking, uh, he's got like two pistols and a shotgun type chainsaw, man. He's got like the yeah. full gimmick going on, man. They're they're doing the the Ash from Evil Dead uh, or Ash from uh, not not Ash from Evil Dead. They're doing the Ash from Army of Darkness. They're doing the Rambo movie yeah. gimmick where they're just strapped up to the teeth type yeah. thing, but yeah. but only with chainsaws. Fuck now, yeah. We're, I'm going to skip through some shit because we can talk about whatever, but to, in order to move this along and also because nothing of real substance happens throughout this whole movie, um, basically, this motherfucking Dennis Hopper goes down to chase after Stretch and um, she's kind of like ducking, dipping and dodging around all these motherfuckers. You wind up meeting more of the Sawyer family. You wind up fucking dealing with all, all types of shit. And there's several showdowns throughout the whole shit. And at the end of this fucking flick, you wind up seeing uh, Stretch. And, and, and everyone dies, by the way. Everyone in the Sawyer family fucking dies. Not something you see. And clearly after this, no one cared about continuity because no. everything fucking dies. Chop yeah. Top fucking dies. Yeah. Grandpa dies. Uh, the uh, they call him the cook. They also call him uh, uh, I think it's Dalton. I can't remember now. Uh, he fucking died. Like everyone fucking dies. The Sawyer family's done for. But yet there was like nine more Texas Chainsaw Massacres, but, and, boots and prequels and shit. And in terms of continuity, it's the worst franchise in terms of continuity. Just want to uh, a thousand percent yeah. it is. Yeah. Now yeah. here is one thing I'm gonna say for this movie. I. Didn't realize till today. I noticed something I never noticed before. This is something of a feminist type movie on the level of I spit on your grave. Fuck walk yeah, it is, on, man. Walk with me on this. Now, first of all, at the end of this shit, just like I spit on your grave, Stretch is doing the same dance with the chainsaw that Leatherface did at the end of the first one. Second yeah. of all, and probably the most important i don't know if i've ever seen this in any other flick of this nature every single victim in this movie was a man not one woman was a victim that got murdered in this movie not one you are correct you are correct yeah i, I didn't never think no, never noticed it before yeah but huh. that that's the movie i skipped a lot of shit we got to talk about bits of violence. I, I didn't want to talk about every yeah, single last yeah, fucking so. blood drop. And there's a lot of fucking splatter in this. 
Um, Toby, Toby Hooper clearly wanted to do more humor and wanted more splatter just to do it because that's what he wanted to do with the first one. But he was, you know, making a movie, thought it would come across. It didn't. So this time he's like, fuck it. I'm going to make sure they know. <laughs> so let's go. I We got to start. I got to start with the Baron. Uh, thoughts on this one. I know this is not your wheelhouse but I know you appreciate the first film. So I need to know what you think about this one. Okay. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. I mean, like it's significant in terms of horror in general, you know what I mean? Leatherface is the granddaddy, the godfather, if you will, of all of uh, slasher mythos history, the works. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, I think outside of horror is a very significant film. I think it's one of the best films ever made, certainly one of the best horror films ever made. Absolutely uh, Tobey Hooper, for those who know, know that he is a damn good horror director. For those who are only used to, say, uh, James Wan, uh, they won't know about Tobey Hooper. So do go back and have a look at his past works as well. And um, for those who have seen Poltergeist, uh, I think that's a Steven Spielberg movie. It's actually half Tobey Hooper, half Sp um, Spielberg. So the bits where he's looking in front of the mirror and the face starts crumbling in a hallucination, melting up his face, that's Tobey Hooper's parts of Poltergeist, Commander. Right. I believe that, um, I honestly think that they kept uh, Tobey Hooper, out his name a little more out of that particular movie because sure. of his... Because yeah. of his association with uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, oh, okay. Splatter Flick. I think that okay. it was. I, I think it was a, a decision made by production in order to sell the movie better. Because Steven Spielberg did fucking. He ended up doing ET and all types of shit. Yeah, like yeah, he, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So maybe his name has been maligned because of uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Commander was talking about the fact that he wanted more humor to come through. And I have read that recently, which did surprise me, but it is what it is. Um, but why I think the humor didn't come through, but it was the nature of the production of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was done on a very poor budget. Uh, it was done in incredibly hot conditions, lots of humidity. Uh, the production design in the first one involved a lot of actual skeletons, a lot of animal remains as they went on. And I think it took about 100 days to shoot things started to rot flies just multiplied and multiplied the cast absolutely hated him by the end everything everyone was at their wits end um i think it's sally when she's running through the briar through the thorns at the end she is actually running through a thorn bush and getting scratched up to shit she <laughs> is not having a good time at all that movie produced just an atmosphere and experience of horror so no humor could get through if it wanted to or if anyone wanted it to yeah right and and especially in 1973 it was that was so brutal it was on a level people hadn't seen Yes. And there's so yes. many, and, and, and just from the cinematography perspective, it's so like the tones are so dark. Even when they're in the mm. sunlight, the tones yes. are so dark. Like it, Absolutely. it, it really fucking bothered people and still does to this day. Um, yes. I don't remember yes. what the, I don't remember what the budget was for the first one. I know oh, it was no. a shoestring budget. The shoestring. second one, the second one was, uh, uh 4.7 million dollars which yep. even by 1986 standards is not a ton 
But the funny, the funny little note about that was that it changed. It ebbed and flowed literally depending while they were filming that budget changed up and down depending on how other Canon films were faring in the box office. Got you. And I believe that's why this movie was made uh, 12 years later, because with other horror franchises, sequels were starting to be churned out. So whoever, like the studio what, that was behind this or the funders, producers behind this, hey, we can make some money making us. Horror is big, horror is hot, sequels are hot, let's do this. Right. Um, uh, but was, uh, production design I was talking about. Uh, so with the original one, it's the violence is implied. You don't actually see a lot of gore. Yeah. It's just right. with good editing and the power of suggestion. That's the violence, uh, the graphicness of the first one, how it comes across and affects you. This one shows everything. Absolutely. <laughs> this one's put everything on the table, abortion and all. Um, but what came through and why I do actually like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, I don't love it like I like the first one, but I do actually quite like this film. It is a lot of fun. Uh, the production design that Toby Hooper, you know, he showed his ability in the first one. Yes, it's a lot more colourful and it's a lot more carnivalesque in the second one, certainly when they go underground to their lair. Uh, but I really like the way it's done. Once they go into their lair, I really like how this film looks. And when they sit around the dinner table with the, um, the head of the table chair, the throne, the macabre throne, and everyone's just going berserk. Um, and the colours and the lighting and just the kind of the less nature of it all, I actually really, really like it. I think it gets really cool by that stage. I do think Stretch is absolutely awesome. I think she's one of the best final girls in horror, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one absolutely. thousand percent. And I'm going to, I desperately want to hear from the Reverend but I have to say, I found something out today in my research. Um, that woman's name is Caroline Williams. Yeah, Caroline she, Williams. Oh yeah, man. When, and she rules, dude. She plays. She plays the the Nazi mom in. Um, fuck, I can't remember. She's a fucking scream queen that no one knows. She's Jamie Lee Curtis, and no one knows who she is. So Caroline Williams, when she auditioned for this. She ran screaming down the hallway into the audition room, slammed the door shut, snatched fucking Toby Hooper and the new screenwriter after they fired the original one fucking out of their chairs, took the chairs and barricaded the doors and then turned around and went, all right, I'm here to do my thing. Like they went, oh shit. That's awesome. That yeah. is awesome. I love that. I love that. Uh, and um, yeah, yeah, um, Bill Mosley's great in it. Um, yeah, and then, like there's other Tome Hooper films where this style of directing and certainly the look of this film can be seen in other films. I forget what it's called. It's a movie about the Marquis de Sade that uh, features stars Robert England as the Marquis de Sade. That was it, was, it was a Toby Hooper flick? Yeah, Toby Hooper flick, yeah. <clears throat> I do um, know what you're talking. I cannot yeah. remember the name of that. That one I really appreciated. It has a similar look in terms of lighting, production design to uh, this film. There's another one with Robert England uh, that's in the uh, the anthology of horror films. Uh, what's it called? There's two oh. series. 
Wait, Night Terrors, it's called. Night, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the one I yeah, mean. Night, yeah, Night Terrors fucking rules, dude. Night Terrors was really good. Um, and yeah, you can see more of his uh, style. Um, so he's a very interesting director because you could look at the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre as an anomaly in his filmography in terms of style and tone. Yeah. Yeah, uh, on a certain level, especially. On a certain level, yeah. Certain cinematography and, and choices of color and lighting. Mm-hmm. Especially. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. But that said, don't let that turn you off. He is an original, unique vision. He is crazy. Like, um, he will flip from one thing to the other. And his films are eccentric and over the top. But in terms of the unique vision and horror's history, he's well worth checking out, as is this film, no doubt. Yeah, that's me. Right. right. For sure. Man. Oh, speaking <laughs> just, sorry, speaking of, of, of Dennis Hopper being, I, I just remembered something. Speaking of Dennis Hopper saying this was his least favorite role, Bill Mosley said this is his favorite role he's ever played. <laughs> they so, see that, man. <laughs> that, that bear that bears saying bill mosley yes. loves this bill mosley made his own barbecue sauce called chop tops barbecue sauce like he's got his own cup like he loves being a horror icon he absolutely embraces it he loves all the bad shit he's ever done he's the fucking best anyway i'm sorry i didn't mean to fucking interrupt but um yeah, Bill Mosley fucking rules. National treasure, barbecue sauce, chop top. Dennis Hopper's out of line with this fucking bullshit, but also he's a cranky weirdo. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, uh, yeah you know, whatever. Reverend, please. This is the thing, dude. Is that everyone knew that Toby Hooper could make this amazing film with the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre? It is cinematically beautiful and is cinematically beautiful apart from just being a horror film. You know, um, the colors in that film are unsurpassed. It's absolutely gorgeous. But this is the thing, is that this is the 80s now. And fucking Toby Hooper is seeing everyone make these fucking audience-driven slasher films. Everybody wants to see a bunch of gore and shit. But Toby Hooper is such a brilliant director that he makes this into a cinematic masterpiece as it is still absorbing all that Americana in the filth that America is. We start out with this film all outside, all exteriors. You have these long shots of the fucking bridge, this fucking like uh, near far away perspective. And that's done with the bridges. That's done at the overpass. That's even done outside of the... uh, exterior of the fucking recording studio right when they finally start the whore and it brings it into that claustrophobic space of the fucking recording studio it continues throughout the film right and so that is that inner whore that he's fucking portraying and stuff and it just continues until the very end where stretch as the final girl and the final woman that fucking survives No other women are killed. This is a hugely feministic film, more than most other horror movies that claim to be are. Especially, uh, especially from this era. Especially from this era. From the 80s. Yeah, for sure, man. And Toby Hooper knew that he was doing this. And he made it trashy because people wanted some fucking trash. And not only is that 
what people wanted, but that is a representation of America during the 80s. We were all fucking gore hungry. We all wanted to see the girl die in a slasher movie, but we didn't in this film, even though we saw everyone else get fucked up and destroyed. And of course he gets Ramboed out with his chainsaws because we want those action sequences. And we want Dennis Hopper to be a fucking badass, but he's also a psychopath that like freaks out the local guy when he goes and buys these chainsaws. But then the local guy's just as crazy because it's fucking Texas and everyone's into barbecue and shit. I, I love, I still love the fact that Dennis Hopper's character is unlikable in this fucking movie. He really is. He's a fucking jerk off. I don't like him, but I, I, I love the character. I enjoy yeah, watching him, him, but he's a fucking him. jerk off. Yeah, this really is a fucking product of the fact that Toby Hooper fucking thought, you know, I am going to make this insanity, this pure insanity, but I'm going to have this underlying message through it somehow of feminism and of American gluttony, because that is really what the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 is about, and the original one as well, and our consumption of gas and consumerism and shit like that. And fucking, he really takes it to this next level, but he does it in a way that's so campy that everyone can enjoy it. And we can all right. like become that it can become this cult movie that everyone talks about and stuff, yet it still has these underlying messages through it. Yo, it's, man, he, it's who, who, else can make, who else can make a movie that's subtle and campy at the same time? Like, he fucking, the first two people they carved up are those fucking American psycho looking jerk off yuppie kids at the beginning like how is that not just a metaphor for him carving up american greed and capitalism like it's fucking brilliant for sure man he also wrote the music for this film yes yeah didn't know that yeah yeah the backgrounds the background score also that's yeah. something we should talk about the fucking soundtrack in this movie's great the fucking they use goo goo muck by the cramps yeah the they cramps use are okay they used uh, they used uh, what's that? We're, uh, what is it? We're all gonna die or what's the name of that song? It's the Oingo Boingo song. I can't remember. It's a yeah, good soundtrack. Yeah, sure. It's a legit good soundtrack. They wow. continues to fucking inspire music because not only is it in uh, the Primus sound clips and it's in a bunch of other fucking band sound clips. Oh yeah, you know. But so. yo, there's also a bunch of fucking nods that are not even very subtle to other movies. Like, um, there's the part where fucking, where Stretch is chasing after them. They literally play Bernard Herman's fucking psycho fucking, uh, I, I spotted that. Yeah. They, they yeah. yeah. They play the soundtrack yeah. while she's driving and they even yeah. do like the similar shot. The yeah. fucking yeah. promo poster was the breakfast club. Yes, the breakfast not, club. <laughs> they're, they're not even trying to hide it. The other one is uh, when they're down in the fucking cave and there's the fucking all the skeletal remains. Did you guys see the fucking um, the guy that's riding the bomb with his arms up like it's a like it's a. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a fucking nod to Dr. Strangelove. Strangelove. And Slim yeah, Pickles. Yeah. Which fucking that shit fucking rules. This huh. this fucking Toby Hooper is I'm not going to say he's Kubrick. But he's on, he's near that level. 
He's near that level. He he really understands how to intertwine subtlety and camp and make it look like he's just some dumb guy making a bad movie and at, have all this fucking subtlety, this river of subtlety running underneath it. And without all of that, the, the true American cinema is fuck the artistic aspect of it. Let's just make a fun fucking film. And this is a fun fucking movie, man. A hundred percent. Agreed. Agreed. And he, so, had a, uh, he had an extensive career just quickly as well from 1969 to 2017. Uh, he directed a film with John Carpenter at one point called Body Bags. That um, movie's was, good. That movie's is good. That, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. Um, he was executive producer slash co-producer on a lot of the future Texas Chainsaw Massacre films, whatever you may think of them. He kept his, you know, fingers in those pies and that franchise moving forward. Uh, Night Terrors, that's the one with the Mark, Robert England about the Marquis de Sade. That one I did find particularly good, certainly back in the day. Um, and as I said, Poltergeist with Steven Spielberg. And I'm saying all this because rest in peace, Toby Hooper. He is no longer with us, of course, as well. That is true. Rest in peace, Toby yeah. Hooper. Um, yeah. So I have some fun facts if you guys want to get into that. Please, please. Um, so I just found this. This, this is a good one. The Corpse... At the beginning, when, when Leatherface is standing in the truck and he first appears, right, he's got his chainsaw out and he's swinging it, but he has clearly has a corpse in front of him. That corpse is dressed exactly like the hitchhiker from the very first movie. Yeah. So, and as we know, the Sawyer family collects corpses. So that is the corpse from 12 years ago that's mummified that he's just strapped to his body and using as body armor and fucking with people um also the dude that plays leatherface so there's three people that play leatherface in this movie there's bill johnson who is the main guy that does the actual acting if you want to call it that um there's another stuntman whose name fails me but then there's also um this fella's name was, sorry, Tom Morga. Tom Morga is the guy that does the stunts on top of the truck. At the very beginning, when you first see Leatherface in this movie, that's Tom Morga. Now, Tom Morga also played Jason in Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, which I believe was the fifth one. Um, he also played Michael Myers in... Halloween 4, which would make him the only actor to ever play all three hulking masked. Yeah, characters. sure. Shapes, the shapes of horror. Yeah. Right. Well yeah, yeah, done. Yeah. And now I forgot about that term. Well done. Yeah. That's um, so, also, this movie was originally conceived by Toby Hooper and Kim Hankel, the original, one of the original writers of the first movie to be this satirical uh, sequel where they were just going to go ham with it. It was going to be uh, an entire town of cannibals. Like instead of this small right. little family yeah. collective, it was supposed to be the whole goddamn right. town. Wow. They were wow. going to have like a hotel and a bar and all types <laughs> of things going on. And the studio went, get the fuck out of here with that. And even uh. went so far as to fire Kim Hankel and hire another screenwriter 
and they developed this out of it. But that was the original idea that Toby Hooper had. Um, okay. Um, to, uh, oh, speaking of favorites, the makeup done on Grandpa, Tom Savini's favorite makeup he's ever done. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Jim Sidos, the guy that plays uh, Grandpa, uh, or not Grandpa, I'm sorry, not Grandpa, but the cook or whatever you want to call him. He's the, he's the, the patriarch of the family at this point. Uh, this was his last film. He only did five movies in his whole life. And he's also the only one that was in both uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and 2. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something that we always need to talk about, and I obviously need to get you to weigh in on this, uh, Baron. This movie was banned in the UK until 2001. It was banned in oh. Germany until 2012. And it was banned in Australia until 2006. Damn. Uh, are you aware of this or? Uh, possibly in the past. I haven't thought about it in a while, but it would make sense. It would make sense. Absolutely. It may have been available for a shorter period of time and then been banned again, which I covered the changeability on our Australian episode of censorship in Australia, but it would have been, it would have been one of those films. Absolutely. This would be banned here at some point. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So I only got, I only got a couple more here real quick. So, Actually, I think this is my last one until we talk about cars. Um, the So during the filming of this movie, a fire broke out in, in the Austin, Texas-based building that they filmed the majority of the latter of the movie. The latter half of the movie being in, in the Sawyer's cave or whatever. That was in Austin, Texas, and they had a ton of bodies and a ton of skeletal remains. And a fucking fire broke out because they had so many goddamn lights down there. The fire department showed up and legit called the fucking police department out and said, well, yo, we think we found a mass murderer's fucking hideout. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking wow. of locations, you can go to that chainsaw store in Texas where he Toby where Dennis Hopper fucking buys all the chainsaws yeah. and yeah. it's now a barbecue place and uh, I went there and had barbecue it's like a honky tonk and a barbecue place and they got all the chainsaw fucking sign shit up there uh, I want I, that, that, that reminds me there's a line in this movie I don't know why of all the lines in this movie that sit weird with me it just lays weird on my ear the old man that owns the fucking chainsaw shop this motherfucker goes, hey, man, are you going to try those things out? Are you going to do something with those before you take off with them? He fucking says, try them out on that tree. And Dennis Hopper starts taking two chainsaws at a time to the stumps. And this motherfucker's response to that is, oh, my aching banana. That's not a <laughs> saying. No one says that. That's not some Southern shit I've never heard. Like, has anyone ever fucking heard that? Like, that's ridiculous. Absolutely. It was an inside joke. It has to be, right? Because that's a thousand-year-old man. He looks exactly like my grandfather did. Not sure. anymore. My sure. grandfather's dead. He doesn't look like that anymore. But still, like, yeah. I'm like, there's no fucking way that old man said that shit. 
Or the actor, old man, said it, and Hooper and Co. just said, that's fucking, what is that? Keep it in. Right. <laughs> that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Reverend, do you want to talk about the cars or you want me to talk about them? Let's go for it, man. I didn't know right, this man. one's yours. All right, man. So we got the Sawyers. The Sawyers actually have a really badass truck in this fucking thing. This is a 1983 yeah. Chevy C10. That's some fuck. Now, I, I, I know that the fucking, the Barons out in, in Australia, originally from New Zealand. Maybe you're not hip to this, but that's some yeah, real no. California no. cholo culture shit, man. Oh, cholo. I mean, okay. It is now. It is yeah. now. You see, yeah, it would have been. It would that, have been. That's fun. a lifted one here in California. It, we got lowered once, man. In nineteen eighty-three, sure. <laughs> in, sure. in nineteen eighty-three, that shit would have been farm equipment, one hundred percent. Now, if you've got a fucking, if you've got a, a, I guess you say vintage. If it's nineteen eighty-three at this point, I don't know. I think I'm getting old, but. This motherfucker now, if you have one that's in great condition from back then. Yeah, you fucking lower that motherfucker. You put some Dayton's on that bitch and you fucking ride around. You put a system in it. That's a beautiful fucking truck that's Cholo style. Honestly, a Chevy C10, it could also still be lifted and fucking driven around the dunes by some fucking dickhead with an affliction shirt on too. But that's a beautiful fucking truck. Um, the other ones we got, we got Lefty's vehicle is a Ford LTD wagon, which is... The only reason I bring that up is because you just don't see those ever. I don't think I've seen one of those since this fucking movie. That's one of those cars that was in production. And after that year, it just died out. Once they died, they just threw them in the fucking trash. You probably can't even find parts in a junkyard of that motherfucker. The other no, one, I doubt that, man. The other one is fucking pretty beautiful, too. Buzz and Rick, the two yuppie kids, are driving a 1981 Mercedes 380 SL. That's a beautiful car, man. I mean, I'm not a luxury car type of guy, but if you give me a fucking good-looking 1981 Mercedes 380 SL, I'm going to fucking take it. That shit's, it's, it's a cool car, man. That's be, it's, and it's good engineering. Yeah, it's That's a tough good car, European man. engineering, man. <laughs> And I'm not a car guy either, so everyone can miss me with that bullshit on social media. But I, I know what I like. I may not know much about art, but I know what I like. <laughs> nice, nice. So, anyway, um, that's before, that. Before we move on to gimmicks, I just wanted to touch on one thing that um, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise, of course, it's the longest lasting uh, in terms of longevity franchise that has been going in horror, certainly in terms of slasher. Um, to this current day, of course, everyone knows that uh, the latest one is on Netflix. Why I bring it up, I'm not going to go into discussion whether it's good or not. But 1974, they were talking about Vietnam. Uh, 1986, they're talking about yuppie culture, consumerism, greed is good, and all of that. Yep, consumerism slash cannibalism, you get it. Uh, with the 2022 one, I don't know if you two gentlemen have seen it, but it's uh, basically talking, how would you talk, or how would you describe it, gentrification culture, if you will. Yeah. Leatherface goes ham on a bunch of influences, on a bunch of gentrifiers, because they go back to the original town and buy it, to 
to turn it into down, downtown Portland. I've only seen the show. I don't live in Portland, no offence. But you know the t- you know what I mean. You know the type of culture and the type of new yeah. neo-capitalistic greed that exists today. Leatherface goes ham on them. It's more of a home invasion film where Leatherface is the hero. Take away. So uh, what I want to speak on, I haven't seen this yet. Um, the Reverend has seen it. Um, I keep hearing, I keep hearing good things. I either hear good things or bad things. What I want to speak on is this gentrification. So the thing about that is, is that gentrification is not a new thing. It's just a newer term that's now a buzzword. That's been going on forever with this gecko Wall Street bullshit from the 80s to, you know, I mean, they also personified that in American Psycho in the 90s. Um, That's been going on for centuries, not even decades, centuries, especially in this country. I can't speak for other countries because I'm dumb and I don't know, but that's been going on forever. This is just kind of a, uh, I don't want to say buzzword because it's true, but it's, it's now part of common vernacular, but yes, absolutely. I think that was always kind of the point. And I am very interested in seeing this new, this new amalgamation, this new incarnation I mean, uh, of this flick. Uh, Reverend, did, what did you think of this? I know you saw it, right? Yeah, I saw it. Um, and yeah, the gentrification theme is definitely what they were going for. And I don't really have a problem with the fact that they did that. And I mean, there were certain homages to the original one that I really dug. There was this sunflower scene that like, it really brought the colors and the fucking cinematography of the first one. It, it was yeah. a full-on homage scene to it. I thought it was good, you know? And I wasn't expecting much from a Netflix movie. So for what it was, I thought it was good, you know? Um, it's not comparable to the first one, couple, but it might be better than the one, you know, the beginning or whatever that they called it. I... I like the fact that they tried to go with a modern day take of it with doing a theme, but they still had all the blood and guts and gore. Um, It's okay. I mean, if Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Texas Chainsaw Massacre part two or five out of fives for me, I would say that this is a three out of five, you know, it's not bad. Yeah. uh, I agree with you. I, I agree with you as well. I agree with you. I thought it was a very fun slasher film. I thought the, the I felt that the gore was excellent, like fantastic kill scenes. Yeah, absolutely fantastic yeah. kill scenes. And I did appreciate um, the political point made uh, as it pertains to today, and in the fact that Texas Chainsaw it always has some sort of political point to make, whether the film is of high, whether the film uh, is of high quality or not, whatever you know manifestation of the franchise that it is um and uh yeah so like for example you know they're trying to cancel uh text uh leatherface through holding up their phones and recording him yeah do anything bro you're cancelled right. that whole thing of trying to block out 
horrific reality or just reality in general by holding up their phones, living through their phones, when real life, real horror doesn't pay any attention to any of that. I thought that was a well-made point, you know what I mean? Um, just like exactly. Vietnam, Vietnam exists beyond your television back in the 70s, you know, that whole saw as family political point was made and always has been made uh, throughout Texas Chainsaw Massacre's history. And I'm very glad they kept that up in the latest film, even if it's on Netflix, yeah? Yeah, exactly, man. And for what it is, I thought it was good. And the fact that they're trying to keep reality away with their cell phones, and yet this true American psychopath does not care and just massacres them all 80. Anyways, that is very very much the intent of that film. It doesn't hit it in a perfect mark. But it's, this not, isn't to, Toby Hooper, you know, like what what the fuck do you expect, you know, and it's also not like the biggest screenwriter of the day either. It's just a Netflix film and they did a fun thing and it's an homage and I can I can appreciate that for what it is, because not all art has to be this fucking over the top and like influential and insightful piece of work. You know, it can just be yeah. fun. Yeah. It's it's just like I've said to countless fucking people that have told me, parents that have been like, oh, I don't watch my, I don't, I, I, and this is a legit thing that's happened to me. This is not just some bullshit I read. This is shit that I've experienced. People telling me about their kids going, I don't want my kids watching SpongeBob SquarePants because there's no educational fucking value to it. I'm like, it doesn't have to be educational. It can just be fucking fun. It can be creative right. and fun. It's okay. Don't, it, not everything has to be grinding and learning all the fucking time. That is, that is what's so great about the, the American slasher film. It's one of the yep. things I love about it so much. It's just fun. It's just good, clean violence. Nice. gentlemen would you like to move on to gimmicks yeah absolutely absolutely all right um let's set it off because my java royale gets a little weird so i have i have something to propose to you with that so let's do a bit of violence first um i have to go and i had to think about this there's a great bit of violence in this fucking film um I had to go with Stretch wearing LG's face and hat in his face. He is still alive at the end of this motherfucker, at least for a little while. And he sees her wearing his face and hat right in his fucking face. Ain't no topping that. It's phenomenal. That is, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a toss-up. I just literally wrote down that as well because I was going to decide 50-50 between another one, so I'll give it to you there, Commander, but that in terms of just macabre visuals on a screen, it's just take, it takes you aback. You just go, what the fuck is happening? That is, a, Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Right. What, what was your other one? Just what's your runner-up, your honourable mention? All right, if we're doing that, if we're going around there, um, well, it has to be 
There's no nice way to put this scene, but I will clarify the cleverness behind it. We've talked about the graphicness and the subtlety simultaneously throughout this film. And this scene pretty much sums that up. It's the chainsaw to the crutch sex scene. Yeah, it is the fuck me gently with a chainsaw to reference Heathers there. Heathers! Yeah! Um, but, yes, um, see what Stretch is doing there. Uh, what is she, what, she's manipulating Leatherface, yeah? She's actually sweet-talking him, like speak-talking dirty to him like, like it's about to be a sex scene. Um, and Leatherface is getting aroused. But the thing is, the chainsaw doesn't operate. He can't perform, and then he gets upset at the end. It's actually a slight on the whole kind of, yeah, I've got a big one, male kind of psychology. I can do anything to you. No, you can't. You're useless. You're a fool. Stretch wins in that scene, even though it's horrific to watch. It is feminist in its intent. There you go. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I love it, man. These are both wonderful, wonderful scenes, man. But I got to go with the traditional, the recreation of the hammer to the back of the fucking head with stretch, man. She gets away in this one, but in every other film, this has been fucking portrayed. And it's that hierarchy of the Saw is family. This is American tradition, and this is what we do to survive. And it's violence. It's pure fucking cannibalistic consumption violence. And I love it in every single film that it's done it. And I like the fact that that Stretch gets away in that one. What do you want, boy? You want sex or the song? Dude, by the way, how fucking funny is it when fucking... When he says he spells sex out and he spells it S-C-E-X. Yeah. I <laughs> love shit, that it, too. It I legit laugh out loud every single time I watch this fucking movie and that happens. And I love my this. favorite part of violence. I have to say my favorite scene in this is when the old lady's trying the chili and she bites down on the tooth and he pulls it out <laughs> and he is like, Oh, that's be one, one of those hardcore peppercorns. Yes. Oh, the chili contest is fucking hilarious, dude. All right, uh, now well chosen. Those are the three best bits of violence in the whole movie. So well chosen, there, gentlemen. One thousand percent. Well done, gentlemen. Yeah. Let's yeah. get into this job royale. Okay, I ha- I wrote one down, and I I'm not sorry about it, but I felt I was like, ah, this is good because there's not a ton of people to pick from here, but I came up with the second one. So here's what I want to do. If you guys will allow me, I want to do both of them. And then I don't want to pit them against each other, like the the winners of each one, not like a bracket. I just want you guys to pick which one is the better. Matter of fact, I can tell you what both of them are. And then without picking a winner of either one, we we can pick which one we want to do. Which one would you prefer there? Okay. All right. Um, Did you understand? I've got two. Yeah. Let's do them both, man. Fuck it. Yeah, let's, let's do, do them both. both. Why not? All yeah, right. I agree. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Okay. So first, this is this one. It to me at this point seems milk toast compared to the other one. But okay. L- okay. Do that way. Yeah. It's LG versus the detective. The detective that rolls up on left. Oh. Yeah, I'm with you. 
Jeopardy. I'm going to say LG. I, I want LG, man. Okay. Yeah, I'll LG. say it. Fucking because, you know, you know that that detective is going to come up. He's going to be all like, all right, LG, I caught you with an open cut off shirt and two cores lights in your back pocket. You know, you're going to have to bend over. Dude, fucking LG is going to be like, bend over my ass and fucking turn around, clap those ass cheeks together watch both of those fucking glass sharded cores bottles just explode out of the back pockets of that filthy motherfucker right up into the detective's face and he's just going to be so awestruck with this glass shrapnel up in his face the lg's just going to fucking mop the floor with the motherfucker done deal dude nobody wants to follow the reverend but baron please (laughs) I, again, wow. Um, yeah, no, I'm LG. Um, yeah, the fact, I mean, like, here, his face peeled off. His head taken away from him. Someone else is wearing it, and he's standing there just, and he's, he's still alive, taking it in, going, yeah, all right, this is happening. So what? The, what, what is the detective going to bring after that? Yeah, what can the detective do? Seriously. Right. It's LG all day. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, I mean, everyone already knows I've got a bit of a bias. I'm going to tend to not side with the cop and I'm definitely going to side with the soft hearted redneck that cares about the lady that survives the whole shit. Of course, I'm going to fucking side with him. But honestly, I do think LG is a legit tough guy. And I legit think that the detective is made of pussy. I think that that he gives off these, these fucking weaselly vibes of I did everything I could do to get off the beat so I could wear a suit and not have to do the dirty work because I'm made of pussy and I can't handle it. I think no matter what, LG comes up, comes out on top. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. LG's a man, dude. Like, he's a big old sweetheart and he he's taking care of all of his people. He's building he's, fry houses for everyone. He's the nicest dude. guy ever. Fucking not only providing shelter, but providing food. But... You see how tough that motherfucker is? He survived one of the most vicious assaults you've ever seen in your life. All the way till the end of the movie. His last word was shit. And then he taps. Yeah. That's a tough motherfucker, man. Yeah, I give it to you. Absolutely. Yeah, it's LG. Has to be. All right. Here's my other one. And one of the reasons that I like this one more, it's more complicated, but also it pits me it puts me at a point where um i have to let go of the whole i want the cops to lose thing and i really have to think about this one now you're gonna have to walk with me here this is both of those racist or not rape racist probably racist rape the rapist cowboys from the hallway when 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 uh um stretch is in the hotel and she's trying okay, to yeah. get into Lefty's room and those two fucking oh, cowboys yeah. are walking up. Yeah, like, okay. yeah, yeah. Them, them two motherfuckers and Rick and Buzz, which are the two yuppies in the car, right? Oh, is it a tag team? Is this a tag team? No, no, no. It's not. It's oh, okay, all, sorry. It's all four of them against Wendell. Wendell is the cop that says, boy, you better get out of here, cowboy. Don't make me tell you twice. 
when fucking they first roll up on the scene when the fucking weenie detective is there. And that big fucking burly Wendell is the one telling Dennis Hopper to take a walk. Yeah, I know the whole thing, man. It's Wendell versus all fucking forum. Oh, well, yeah, Baron. Oof. Yes, that's there's four. It's four against one. That's a hell of a handicap. I mean, Rick and Buzz, they're too coked out of their mind. They're going to collapse pretty quickly and crash. Yeah, they're, they're kind of dumb. It's really, mm. at the end of the day, I feel like it comes down to Rick and Buzz are goofs. They're probably yeah. in decent shape because they're young. They play all types of fucking collegiate. Yuppie, yeah, lacrosse or some shit. (laughs) Yeah, they do. They play fucking lacrosse and shit. They're probably in good shape. They're probably coked out of their minds. They don't feel shit, but they're also they also can't fight for shit. But then you got those two rapist cowboys. I'm willing to bet those two motherfuckers can throw hands, but I feel it's necessary to say they are just as drunk during this fight as we see them in that hallway. And right. then you got uh, Wendell, who ain't having it from anybody. Okay, before you go, Baron, um, just because I know you're going to give us something brilliant, um, just to paint the scene, <laughs> there is the <laughs> there is the element of distraction for Wendell because you do have four there. You have a couple of coked out college cunts. Uh, then you have the two cowboy rapists. The cowboy rapists will fight dirty as well when Wendell's not looking, paying attention to the coked out college cunts. Baron, take it away. I'm gonna. What about? I give it to. I give it. I give it to Wendell. All yeah, right, but please paint the picture though, Baron. Ah, Reverend. All right, man. <laughs> this is what I think. If we are in a bar fight, like in an enclosed area, or if we're in like a, a room of somewhere, like Wendell's gonna like go bust up this co party, and for whatever reason, like those two drunk guy cowboys and fucking the two frat boys are in there giving each other handboat jobs all fucking coked out and shit wendell's taking them in a closed room dude no fucking problem he is just like literally body slamming them and throwing them into each other this on the other hand does have the possibility that if this fucking fight takes place at a different location such as like a basketball court or like a tennis court or any open area, even if it wasn't closed, but there was like a large amount of open area. I feel like Wendell's love for Texas barbecue may catch up with them because they could just run a couple laps around the guy and he probably have a fucking heart attack. So I'm going to give this to Wendell because I feel like this ain't going to happen at a high school fucking sporting event. And, uh, yeah, he's probably just going to bust up this Coke party, and he's taking them all in, like, by himself. Deputy called in sick that day. Wendell's taking everyone in. I have to be honest with you. I I agree with you both that it's Wendell. I dislike your fucking idea that Wendell, his love of Texas barbecue is going to make him dizzy somehow. Like, he just walks around with the itis all day. I'm saying, I'm saying, if we are in like a 15 by 15 fucking enclosed Listen, area, he's taking the he's taking the entire thing. But if Listen, we are man. on like a larger court, he's gonna have a hard time, man. There's four of those dudes. 
I don't know if anyone else in this fucking particular podcast has ever fought four people at once. I have. Um, I feel like the Reverend may have at one point, but yo, man, you don't get run around. You you stand still and you fight everybody. Like you, t- there's no there's no getting dizzy. You just sit there and wait for your fucking moment to strike. You got to be like a snake. This motherfucker ain't getting tired. <laughs> all right. So it's Wendell all day. Now, all right, all right, all right. Okay. I, I do feel yeah. like I don't want to take up a huge part of the bracket, which with the next bracket with one episode. So I don't want to pit these two against each other. I want to know which one's the better contender, which one's the better fight, which one was more inventive, whatever you want to decide. Which one do we go with for the bracket? Oh, I want LG to move on because he's a sweetheart, period. Sorry, man. Baron. Uh, Oh, no, no, no. You don't know why I made that face, Reverend. I'll explain Uh, in a moment. (laughs) Ah, okay, okay. So we've determined that uh, his LG is a sweetheart. Wendell doesn't doesn't matter if people are fighting dirty. LG won't necessarily fight dirty. So we're, they're squaring off clean against each other. So it's a matter of who can take as many bumps slash hits. Um, and I would have to. So who did you say you said LG? Yeah. Um, the Reverend LG. Yeah. So I'm going to have to bring it. To I'm gonna have to give it to LG because of the fact that he can have his whole face taken off by a gang of marauding psychotic cannibals and still be right to you know have one last moment with the girl that he loves before tapping out. So LG, uh, you know what? Here's the deal. I'm gonna say first of all, I want to address this thing. The, 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 the fucking, the Reverend thinks that I was fucking shitting on what he said. I wasn't. You, you, you illuminated something I didn't think of. And I was like, Oh shit, that's fucking all right. I'm with you on this LG all day. Here's the thing. I think that fucking in a one-on-one fight at the end of the day, your man LG is going to be more gassed out than fucking Wendell is. For whatever reason, I get this feeling like Wendell could fucking take more fucking shots to the chin than LG can. But I, first of all, I like LG better as a human being. Add to the fact that Wendell's a fucking cop. We're, we're done. Yeah, LG LG's. takes LG takes all the points for me on every fucking level, other than I think that Wendell could probably take a few more shots on the chin. And that might okay. even be bullshit. It might be false bravado that I'm buying into. El- Wendell's like the biggest dude in this motherfucker other than Leatherface. So yeah. that's what I'm going off of. It's just mess. So okay. LG wins the shit. I love that. Um, I love yeah. that LG wins that motherfucker. Because when it comes down to it, you know, the, the analogy for our job royale, of course, is the biz, and it's a term, it's a matter of being over or not. LG's the baby face who's over as hell with the crowd. Yeah. Right, righty oh man. At the righty-o. end of the day. All right, let's let's, let's rate this motherfucker. Does 
You want me to go first there? First of all, before we get onto that, just with Troll Hunter, our last episode last year, sure. who won the job of Royale? Because it's a new tournament. It's a new, like, uh, WrestleMania, if you will, that we're building towards. So who do we have? We've got two so far. Uh, Jabba Royale from Troll Hunter was Finn versus the Polish painter, and the Polish it's painter won. It's the Polish painter. That's right. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for that. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Thank you. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I love Jabba Royale. It's like my favorite thing ever. <laughs> it really is amazing. Incredible gimmick. Um, all right. I've, I'll set this fucking thing off. I picked the movie. I'll, I'll fucking do the thing. Um, I really want to get... I Because of nostalgia, because of my memories watching this with people I love so dearly, because of the lines from this movie I use in everyday life on a weekly basis. I love it so much. I want to give it a 10, but that's just not fair. It's, it's a solid eight. It's an eight. I'm trying to be more, I'm trying to be more objective with my ratings. I use my feelings a lot when I rate these things. I'm trying not to do that as much. I'm going with a fucking eight. This is not a good movie, but it, it, I mean, it's not a good movie conventionally, but it is a yeah, brilliant yeah. movie. Is it Kubrick? Well, no, it's not Kubrick, but it's, it's the B, it, Toby Hooper is the B movie Kubrick. All right. Ooh, so ooh, you could have something there. You could have something there. Yeah. I'm saying, man, this is a fucking better movie than people give it credit for. And anyone that's like, I like the original one and fuck all the ones after that. You, Dude, I have no time for you. You can go no. fuck yourself. You're not oh, allowed yeah. to listen oh, to this show flat yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And I I thought of something earlier to compare this to, and I don't remember. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tap out on the disease thing. I, I, I had one. I forgot it. I, I'm sorry. I'm done. It's an yeah. eight. It's an eight. It's a fucking must fucking... It's a must-see for a real horror fan. A must-see. Nice. nice. Um, I'll go next just so you can uh, close this out there, Baron. Ah, fuck. What am I doing? Fuck, Reverend. Schizophrenic. (laughs) Multiple personality disorder. All right. (laughs) Okay, yes. um, I like, yeah, I'm going to have to think about that. Toby Hooper is uh, the B-grade movie Kubrick director. Yes, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Because I am a fan of the man. I have been a fan. I've, ha- I've had sentimentality for Toby Hooper for many, many years now. Uh, and this is one, a great example of his work. Um, to stop blathering, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Yes? Yeah, I think this is a very worthy film. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. I'm surprised. I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm happy okay. to hear it's that high. I'm happy to hear yeah. it's that high from you. Now, I do like this one. I do like this one. Absolutely. Um, and I will likening it to a disease, viral gastro, mm, gastroenteritis, gastroenteritis, viral gastroenteritis. Yeah. So <laughs> for those that don't know, viral gastroenteritis is an inflammation, swelling, and irritation of the inside lining of your gastro intestinal tract a virus causes this illness so we're thinking about 
this uh, this meat eating all this crazy meat, the cannibalism, yes? What can that cause throughout this film? It can affect your stomach, small intestine, and large intestine. And uh, it can be found in the vomit, the diarrhea of infected people. It can live for a long time outside of the body. People who are infected can spread the virus to objects they touch. The madness in this film absolutely spreads. It is contagious. You will feel damn cuckoo by the end of this film. Um, and especially if you don't wash your hands after using the bathroom, food walk- workers with the infection can spread it to others through food and beverages. Sewage that gets into the water sp- supply can also spread this illness. Although viral gastroenteritis is sometimes called stomach flu, the seasonal influenza virus does not cause it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, this um, movie will spread the madness, spread the disease, as we are doing on this podcast. Watch this film. Seven out of ten. Seven out of 10. I like that, man. You, I could not have said it better. Be, and I love the disease. I really did like that one, man, because Thank you. I seriously give this shit a fucking nine out of 10. I love yes. this fucking film. There is not much better. Like, try to prove me wrong that there's a better movie than Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. It just really will not happen for me. This is Americana horror movie at its finest it really is um this is straight up colon cancer like death inspiring <laughs> colon cancer. you're just gonna fucking die man like it doesn't get any better there is not much more that could encompass what america is at that time and even now it just translates so well nine out of ten Absolutely phenomenal. I, yeah, I want to so. go back. I want to go back and I want to say, I want to say more. I want to change everything I said. I want to add my disease, but I'm going to fucking tap out. I'm going to leave it like fucking, like that fucking Bobby Gentry song. The fucking, what is that? The fucking ballad of Billy Joe. I'm going to leave it a mystery. You motherfuckers. Leave it like a dead armadillo on the side of the fucking road in Texas somewhere. That's right. Um, for everybody at Man Bites Pod, I want to I want to personally, because this is our first time back in a while, I want to personally thank the Reverend and the Baron for coming back with me on this. I absolutely love doing this show. I absolutely love all of our listeners, and I absolutely love all of these fucking movies that we watch. Every single one of the things I just mentioned. You guys are wonderful. Thank you so much. We will see you next week with the Toxic Avenger Part 1 brought to you by the Reverend himself. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.